welcome out an early Merry Christmas to you guys. Uh, Christmas is so close you can almost taste it now. I, I was actually, yesterday I went down to the mall. Uh, one time and one time only do I go to the mall during Christmas. I actually enjoy it, but I, only, I can only put up with it for one time. Uh, I parked about a quarter mile away and got, got my steps in before I even got in there. And It was good to see the, the mall filled with fellow procrastinators like me finding all those last minute ones. It is, everybody's looking forward to it, and I think some of us are actually looking forward to be done it's, a, it's an exhausting run here leading up to Christmas, but we, uh, we, we are spending our time during this series asking this question, what's in it for me? That, w- that we don't want to get through this Christmas season and miss out on what it is that God wants for us. So along those lines, we're going to be offering a couple more times to get together, four identical services over the next two weeks. You, ca- you kind of saw uh, Faith talk about that. We have four Christmas Eve services coming up tomorrow and the next day, and uh, it's a great time for us to center ourselves on Christ before we take off into the madness of families and all that kind of stuff. So um, again, kind of reiterating what they're saying, tomorrow looks to be the most full, but if that's the time that it fits in your schedule, come on out. We will make as many many accommodations as we can to bring you in here, but if you have some flexibility in your schedules, then I would recommend going to Christmas Eve uh, on the 24th. But either way, we'd love to have you. We're looking forward to having a full house here and worshiping God together. Okay, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 2. We will get there in just a few minutes. Quick poll this morning as we get started. Uh, As we get to this time of the year, I wonder who would say your favorite part of the Christmas season is the decorating. Anybody enjoy the decorating? I, I enjoy the decorating that other people do. I, I am a big fan of other people going all out for Christmas. Uh, one of my neighbors has one of those Clark Griswold uh, setups, and you actually drive by and you can tune in to a radio frequency and the lights all go to it. I love having a neighbor like that. I would never do that myself, but I am so thankful that I have a neighbor that does. Uh, how about the food? Anybody? Food? Yeah. The, I mean, I, I love the fact that everybody goes all food channel over the last month or so. I hate the fact that I have to work so hard uh, come January, but I'm enjoying it while I can. But for me, I think one of the favorite things for me is to, it's kind of nostalgia, but, but looking back and watching some of the old uh, TV shows with my kids. So this past week, uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas was on, and we were sitting there uh, watching it, half watching it, and at the very end, I don't know if you remember it or not, at the very end, Linus is up on the stage, and he's reading the Christmas story, and then a few scenes later, all of uh, the friends gather around Charlie Brown, and they sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And uh, our six-year-old Daniel, our, our little guy, was only half paying attention, but then when, when, the, when they started singing these words, he says, wait a second, this is a God movie? What are they doing singing about? And he was just utterly floored and surprised that God found his way into the, the Charlie Brown Christmas. But I think, unfortunately, that underscores what can happen this time of year. We have all of these uh, family traditions and just the busyness of, of the day. We, we can get our way through there and, and forget what the point of Christmas is. W- one of the things that God wants us to get out of Christmas is this heart that is filled with worship and awe. And I think, unfortunately, worship is often forgotten or it's often neglected this time of year because of all the other things that are going on. So we're going to spend some time this morning talking about what does it mean to have a heart that's full of worship. So to, to, to kick that off, what comes to mind when you think of the word worship? Most of the time, the first thing that pops in our minds are songs or, or, or the feelings that, that the songs elicit in us. And while that is part of what worship is, that doesn't capture 
all of it. The, the origin of the word that we have now, worship, stems from an old English word called worthship. And it's all about what is it that you assign the most worth, the most priority, the most importance or significance in your life? What is it that you devote most of your time and energy toward? That will define what you truly worship. And by that definition, then, then we can worship all kinds of things. We, we can worship money or, or status, if that is what we feel is the most important part of our lives. We, we can worship pleasure or happiness. We can worship sports teams. Whatever has the most value and worth in your life is what you worship. So for us that are in the room that are believers in Christ, the arrival of our Savior should be the thing that stirs the most worship in our lives it should bring us to a place where we can come to God and say God because of what you you have done you are the most important part of my life and you have absolute worth in my life and again it's one of those things that's often one of the missing ingredients of this time of year for for a variety of reasons so what we're going to do this morning is spend some time with the wise men the magi these guys who traveled miles and miles to come and to worship Jesus and we're going to learn from their story what it means to truly worship God and to truly worship our Savior we'll pick up their story in Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 it says after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked where is the one who has been born King of the Jews we saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him um, Matthew loved the Magi. He loved the wise men. He, he spent more time telling their story than he did even the narrative of the birth of Jesus. Matthew never mentions the shepherds, never mentions the manger at all, but he didn't want us to miss the guiding star, and he didn't want us to miss these seekers, these wise men. And I think it's easy to see why, because their story is our story we're all travelers through this life we're all sojourners we're all seeking after something in this life so here's the first thing that we learn about worship from their example is that worship begins with a sincere desire at the heart of worship is this desire to know God and to be known by him and we have to want it it, it, we have to, to search for it. I, I love how the Bible reminds us in Jeremiah that where God says to us that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It, and that's what we see played out in the lives of these wise men. It, well, there's a lot that we don't know about them and we don't know exactly where they came, came from, but Matthew tells us that they came from the east. Um, many Bible scholars believe that these men were were men of stature and, and education and wealth and, and most would say that they probably came from ancient Babylon which is modern day Iraq or Iran that they would have made this this journey of hundreds of miles that would have taken them months to complete that would have been a really expensive trip for them all to come and try to find out what this king was all about find out what this baby king was all about and they had this sincere desire to know the answers and for me when I think about their example it begs a question for me what was driving this desire in their lives 
it points to something, in, as I think about it, it points to something that they were obviously missing in their lives. Even with all of the knowledge, even with all of the status and all of the wealth that they had accumulated, there was still this gnawing feeling, this nagging discontentment that fueled them to seek some answers that they couldn't find. There was a hunger for something that they could not quench in any other uh, pursuit of their lives and it drove them on this journey away from the comforts of family away from the, the comforts of, of home to try to find these answers I think part of worship is this desire or this hunger for more of God in our lives and when I think of hunger the first thing that I think of is, is physical hunger uh, right now our, our daughter is big into baking and she bakes things all the time so there are, there are some days when I, I will walk into the door and I will be smacked in the face with the smell of fresh chocolate chip cookies and even if I wasn't hungry beforehand I am starving when I smell those things uh, and so I do what you all would do I go into the kitchen and I send her off on some kind of chore and while she's away I eat some of her cookies uh, you know we understand that that physical hunger is only satisfied through eating but in the same way spiritual hunger is only really ever satisfied through worship so what what does the spiritual hunger feel like I, I think it feels like this desire for um, ultimate security in life to, to know that that there is a God that that knows where I'm at um, that we're being watched over that, that we are loved I, I think it feels like a desire or a searching for an ultimate source of hope in our lives to know that this life isn't all that there is I think it feels like a desire for for satisfaction a, a fulfillment that just seems that, that seems to elude us but but this desire to know I can get to a place where I am truly content it feels like a search for significance this sense that I am here for a reason, that my life has purpose, that it, that it has meaning. I, I think everyone in this room, wh whether you are a follower of God or not, I think everyone in this room wrestles with these desires of safety and significance and satisfaction in our lives. And, and while sometimes we will try to fill these spiritual needs with physical means, uh, it still leaves us unsatisfied. Because these spiritual needs can only be met through spiritual means. That, that there are some aspects of life, there are some needs in our lives that can only ever be met through a right relationship with God. And so worship puts us on this journey to seek after that relationship with God. Worship says to God, God, I, I need your presence in my life to give me that sense of security that I'm looking for. Right? God, I need the comfort of your promises in my life to meet that need for hope that I have. God, I, I need your guidance in my life to fulfill this desire for, for meaning and significance. So the first thing that we have to understand is that we need to be on this uh, sincere searching after God. The second thing that we learn from them is that we need to develop an expectant faith that there is a, a faith component to worship where, where we actually expect to meet God, that we actually expect for God to show up and meet us where we are in our real lives. Um, these wise men, 
had that. They, they expected when they showed up to meet Jesus. They, they showed up at King Herod's palace and they asked the question confidently. So where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? There was this anticipation that they had. They, there was this confidence that they were going to meet Jesus. I think this is a, a discipline that, that we need to develop in our own lives. It, it does require effort on our part to, to expect and to look for God to meet with us personally during worship. I think so often what happens on Sunday mornings, our days just get kicked off on the wrong foot and we just rush from one thing to the next. We're late getting out of the house, so we're, we're rushing to get in, into the parking lot and we're taking the turn on two wheels and we're trying to find a, a parking spot and then we, then we rush them to, to get the kids registered and get the stickers on them and up to their, up to their room and then we rush to grab a, a, a cup of coffee and then by the time we get into the auditorium, all we want is rest. I just want a seat and rest. I don't even care if the message is any good. I just need a break from these kids. I need to rest for a little bit. But if we want to truly worship, then it requires some prep work on our part. It requires us to do some work before we show up here on Sunday morning. And it doesn't take much. It's just a few minutes where we remind ourselves that my God is a, is a personal God, that, that he knows me, that he knows my fears, he knows my insecurities, he knows the needs that I have right now, and he, he wants to meet those needs. And I want to meet with him, and I expect to meet with him today. And, and that little prayer of expectation um, will take your time of worship to the next level. And I think one of the ways that we keep that expectancy level high is to follow the, the lead of, of these wise men and ask questions. They, they, they ask the question, where is this one that was born the king of the Jews? And so part of what we need to be able to do is before we come in here on a Sunday morning to spend some time in prayer, asking God some questions. God, what am I supposed to do next? I have these two choices in front of me. Which one am I supposed to take? God, how do I handle this hard relationship right now? What are the words that I need to share with them? God, when will the season end? Why am I going through this prolonged season of hardship and heartache? Are there some things that you're trying to teach me? God, God how do I make this change in my life? I recognize that I need to make some change, but I don't know where to begin. How do I need to make this change? I, I think that if we will come with questions raised up, that it raises this expectation that God will answer those. And I think God loves that kind of faith, and he honors it. And I think what you'll find is that as you discipline, discipline yourself to do this, to raise these questions before God, that he'll start giving some answers. That you'll come in here with one perspective of whatever it is that you're going through, and you will leave with a new perspective, seeing the situation in a completely different light. Or maybe you'll come here, and the message will tackle the passage of Scripture that is exactly what you needed to hear that answers the questions that you're going through. Or maybe it's a song that we sing that reassures you of a promise of God, and it gives you a confidence to leave here and to tackle some change in your life. 
or maybe it'll be a, a conversation that you have out in the, in the lobby with, with another friend, and, and they see things in a different way, and they, they give you some direction, some wisdom, some counsel that really sheds light on where you are right now. That, I think that's part of what worship is, is that we come with this expectation that this personal God of ours wants to meet us where we are and to give direction for our lives. Well, after meeting with Herod, these, these wise men are given more specific direction on, on where to find this baby king. And we pick up their story in verse 9. It says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. This was the greatest quest of their lives. All of their hopes, all of their questions came bubbling to the surface. And when they saw this baby, it says that they were overjoyed. And this translation doesn't quite do it justice. In the original Greek, Matthew uses four words to try to capture what the feeling was that these guys had. It, it literally reads that they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. It's like Matthew couldn't quite get all of the words piled up high enough to express how much joy these guys had when they finally made their way to Jesus. Somehow they knew that, that all of their questions, all of their hopes, all of their fears were finally answered in the form of this baby. I think another aspect of worship for us is that we need to resolve to express joy. Joy is one of those things that, that it doesn't happen by accident. Uh, it's a conscious decision on my part to pursue uh, to pursue a life of joy and to express that joy. I, I know there are times in my life where it's a struggle and I have to fight against all the different things that, that come up to fight for joy. I think part of what it means to, to truly worship God is to do so with this joy, this resolved, confident peace that we know that we have with God. And this joy comes as we spend some time looking into, being reminded of the truths of Scripture, of reflecting on the unending love and mercy and grace of God. That as we dwell on the fact that this eternal God, this holy God chose to enter into a relationship with me and that he has a plan and he has a purpose for my life that he has heaven waiting on me. The natural outcome of, of turning our attention toward God is that our hearts are filled with this overflowing joy. And worship gives us the opportunity to express that joy back to God. And it's not something that's fabricated. It's done in a way that is in line with how God wired you with your personality. For some personalities, that's what you see here on a Sunday morning, that they express that joy with their arms held high and tears are streaming down their face. For others, it, it might just be a smile across your face as you confidently sing back these songs back to God. Or it might be in the way that, that you approach a hardship. It might be in the way that you approach a, a hard-to-love person. Your joy might be expressed in the way that, that you serve others. Whatever form it might take, one aspect of worship is that we express joy back to God for all that he's done 
in our lives. So what aspect of God's nature, what, what aspect of God's character, what, what blessing has he put in your life that you are most thankful for today? Worship is simply joyfully expressing thanks back to God for all that he's done in your life. Continues on in verse 11. It says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. I, I want us to, to take note of the posture of these wise men. It says that they bowed down. Literally, it means that they fell prostrate, that they fell face down uh, as they came into the presence of this baby. And that must have been a strange scene for Mary and Joseph to see these powerful men of stature walk into the room and their immediate response was to bow down before this baby it was because they recognized that they were in the presence of someone so much greater than them and they took on this humble attitude and expressed in some way that you are king not me so a fourth thing that we learn from their example is that we need to choose to humble ourselves uh, a crucial aspect of worship is taking on this attitude and remembering God is God and we are not. Uh, the opposite of worshiping God is, is self-glorification. It's believing that, um, that my life is the center of the universe. It's placing a priority on my happiness, my comfort, my pleasure. And we are naturally bent in that direction. Our default setting is to make our lives the center of the universe. And that is why it is so important that we take on this posture of humility and to be reminded that we are entering into the presence of God. That when we worship, that we are recognizing and remembering that we are entering into the presence of someone that is so much greater than us. God is greater in strength. He's greater in wisdom. He's greater... And understanding is greater in goodness. True worship is coming before God and saying, God, you are the good king and you are the ruler over my life. You lead and I will gladly follow. You lead and I will gladly and humbly obey. Worship means in, instead of forging my own path forward, doing what I think is best, I will humble myself and I will submit myself to do things God's way. And we do this because we know that he is a good God and that his ways are better and will ultimately lead to our good. Humility trusts in the character of God enough to say yes, even when we don't understand. Even if the path that God lights for us leads to this momentary time of discomfort. Even if it's not the path that we would have chosen, we still choose to humbly obey him. In fact, I think one of the highest forms of worship happens during these times of uncertainty. That, that when it doesn't make sense to us, that we still go to God and say, God, I, I don't know what you're doing. And I don't know why you are leading me down this path but I will trust that what you are doing is right and I will trust that what you are doing is best and that is just and I'm going to stay the course I, I'm not going to cut bait and run I, I'm going to remain faithful to you 
and I'm going to remain obedient to what you say. One of the ways that we worship is taking a moment and humbly reflecting on the fact that we are in the presence of the greatness of God and that we will bow our will to his. It continues on in verse 11 there. It says, Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is what the wise men are most famous for. This is what everybody remembers about the wise men, that they came and they presented these valuable gifts back to God. And I think that's one of the aspects that we need to remember about worship. The last aspect that we learn from them is that we respond by giving back. That, that worship ends with a response back to God. Uh, it's not something that we just take in. But worship is not something that, that we just consume. But rather, as we encounter God through worship, we recognize that it ends with a response. That it ends with us taking some form of action. The wise men responded in their worship by giving these gifts that, that were of immense value to them, that, that were valuable and only fit for a king. And I think that's the nature of worship. Honoring Jesus for who he is and then being willing to give back to him what is most valuable to you. The heart of worship says, God, here is what I bring back to you. Me. All of me. I bring my strengths. I bring my successes. We, we give the best of ourselves back to God. Our time, our resources, our abilities. We recognize that all that we have in our lives has been given to us from God. And so we respond by giving that back and say, God, use my strengths, use my abilities, use my resources to further your purposes in this life. But we also, not only do we give the best of ourselves, we also give the worst of ourselves. We, we bring our weaknesses and our failures. I think one of the truest acts of worship is when we blow it when we fail God, when we sin against him, but we don't let shame keep us from out of his presence. But we enter into his presence and say, God, here's where I've blown it. Will you forgive me? I, I don't know of a truer form of worship, of recognizing that the only form of forgiveness comes from God. And then we recognize that and we bring humbly bring to him the times when we mess up. You give God a decision and you trust in his leading. It's a difficult thing and you've been wrestling with it and maybe you've hesitated bringing it to him because you're afraid of where he might lead. But part of giving back to God, part of responding in worship is to trust him enough to say, God, here's the most valuable thing that I have and I entrust it into your care. We give him our relationships, our marriages, our parenting, our friendships. And we invite him into those relationships and we say, God, I'm gonna align these relationships with what you say is right and good and true. In worship, we stand before God with these open hands and these open arms. And we say, God, you have all of me. That, that I respond back to what he has done in my life by giving back my life. And I lay these things that are most valuable to me at his feet and trust that he is a good king 
that he is a good God and he will use those in ways that are for my good and further his purposes. Uh, the band is going to lead us in one more song as we finish up. And this is a, um, a famous traditional Christmas carol. But what I want us to do is to remain seated and, and to spend this time reflecting on and fostering this heart of worship. Again, one of the things that we get out of Christmas, what's in it for me, part of it is learning what it means to worship God um, truly and honestly. So use this time to come to God with your needs. Is there something currently in your life that, that you need his direction, that you need his comfort, that you need his guidance, that you need his strength? use this time to come before this personal and loving God and saying, God, here are the things that are weighing me down. And then foster that hope, that expectancy. Expect that God will answer those questions. Maybe for you, it's using this time to, to focus your attention on something that you're thankful for. Spend some time remembering, recalling the, the faithfulness of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the promises that, that he has put forth in his, in his scripture, that some of the blessings that you have experienced in your life, pause for a moment and, and recognize that those have come from him. And then as an act of worship, express thanks, joyfully expressing thanks back to him for that. Or maybe for you, it's recalling that you are entering into, that you are now in the presence of this perfect and good king and, and being humbled that he still wants to be in a relationship with you. And, and let that lead your heart to a place of worship. Wh whatever it is for you, I, I pray that you would just use these next few minutes to focus your attention on the coming of this Savior and to have your hearts filled with worship. Sure. 
into your presence. God, we are thankful that you are a personal God, that you are aware of our needs, that you are actively meeting them. Father, I just pray over these coming days and coming weeks that as we remember all that you've done for us, that our response back to you is a life that is filled with worship. We joyfully express thanks to you that we humbly lay down more and more aspects of our lives at the feet. God, you are a good king, and we do adore you for all that you have done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming out, everybody. I hope to see you guys over the next couple of days, but if not, we'll see you back in the new year. Have a great one, guys.